This show is designed to give general information related to investing in finance. Neither Aaron Katzman, his guests, nor the radio station are rendering legal, tax, or specific investment advice. If you need such advice, contact a licensed advisor. And welcome to the Aaron Katzman Show. I'm your host, Aaron Katzman, where we speak about your life, your money, and your investments. And as always, we're coming to you from the spiritual and soon-to-be financial capital of the world, Jerusalem, Israel. Be sure to like this at the bottom of the video. Hit like, right? That big little, that thumb, hit like. And if you've not yet done so, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tell your friends, your family, everybody to subscribe. We are continuing on due to popular demand. I keep saying that, but I actually have some people in America say, well, this is really cool. So we're just going to keep churning these out. Um, A continuation of our entrepreneurship series. Okay. We're we're sort of uh, putting personal finance and investing to the side. Um, And we're focusing on um, Olim who've made, who've um, created their own business. And it's my pleasure today to welcome to the show, Matan Buganim who is the owner of Erez Coffee Corporation. He is from California. He moved to Israel when he was 19. He joined the Israel Defense Forces as a lone soldier. Um, Then he went to university. He dabbled in high tech, but then he really wanted to start a business, and he was fascinated with coffee, believe it or not. Um, He started a company which produces over 15 flavors of cold brew coffee and other coffee-related products. I'd like to welcome to the show, Matan Bugani. Hey, Aaron. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's jump right in. What is cold brew coffee for those, uh, for those of us who like our taster's choice? What's cold brew coffee? I'm glad you asked, actually. So uh, cold brew coffee is, as the name suggests it's it's coffee that's brewed cold as opposed to obviously the traditional way which is with hot water um and the way they do this um is is um they i mean you just soak coffee grinds in cold water uh for you know between 14 to 24 hours depending on you know a whole bunch of other um, variables, but um, so it's 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 actually really two things if you think about it. It's brewed cold and it's brewed slow. Um, and the reason it's brewed slowed obviously is because of the cold water. But you know it, it's it's to extract over a, a longer period of time. And there's a few benefits to this. Um, number one, the taste is a little bit different. Um, I think it's a lot less. It, it removes some of the extremes of coffee. Like um, when you brew hot, you can get kind of like a sour or a very bitter coffee. For me, cold brew kind of removes the extreme bitter, extreme sour. Um, do you drink also, it cold? Do you drink it what? cold? So that is a great question. Most people think cold brew is coffee that you drink cold. Actually, no, you can also heat it up. And that's why I like it because hmm. Uh, naturally it lasts longer because it was brewed cold. It can, I mean, it goes straight into the fridge after, but, um, because it was brewed cold, it doesn't, the taste doesn't stale as quickly. Like with, if you brew a hot coffee and you don't drink it within like an hour, it's stale after that. I mean, you, you don't taste much of the flavor with cold brew. 
the flavor is is um, is secure for her, you know, at least two to three weeks. And wow. it doesn't mean that it, you know, it has no flavor after three weeks. It, it, it just, you start to, after three weeks, you really start to taste that it's kind of losing a little bit of flavor, but really it can last for a month and a half, two months. Um, and when you heat it up, I think it's actually better than even like filter, you know, uh, French press coffee. I think it's, it's, it's amazing when you heat it up. Um, but I like it cold as well. Um, okay. Yeah, cool. it's a little stronger when you cold brew as well. It's stronger, so, okay. Yeah, um, and of course, you know, you can cook with it. You can make cocktails with it because it's not hot. It doesn't, you know, kill your your ice when you put it in a cocktail shaker. Um, you know, when you're when you're cooking with it, it's uh, it's a lot more like full bodied. Um, it doesn't have that sour taste. So if you're making like a tiramisu. Yeah, it's, I, I love it. It's the most versatile uh, way to, to have coffee, I think. How did you get into the coffee business and, and how did you launch Eras Coffee? Um, so I had the idea um, like three years ago um, when I was working um, at, a, at a school in Israel. I, I'm a teacher, I teach history and government. And um there was something from like a historical sort of, you know, uh, political lens that I thought was really interesting about coffee because um, historically it's got a very interesting, uh, you know, uh, story, but, but also politically, I mean, coffee's not a contentious thing unlike other industries, right? I mean, you know, tobacco industry, very contentious, chocolate, very contentious, right? But, but coffee, I mean, like, it's not alcohol, right? Like, uh, it, 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 it's not, you know, uh, marijuana or, or something like this where, you know, people, people are extremely against it or extremely for it. At, at worst, you'll get somebody that says, oh, I don't like the taste of coffee. But in general, everybody loves coffee. Um, you know, uh, cultures don't have a problem with it, right? Like alcohol, you know, Muslims or, or, or Hindus, may, they don't drink. They do drink coffee. Um, you know, in fact, in the Arab world, coffee is kind of like a social beverage. Um, so that, that's what kind of attracted me to it. Uh, the, the fact that it's, it's just, uh, you know, everybody likes coffee it's kind of addicting you know it's it's like a, a major component in our everyday life for energy and you know for workplace productivity and all that and i thought that because it was so like prevalent in an everyday schedule it's become sort of like mechanized and people don't really give it much of a, a thought and i kind of want to change that i wanted to bring like mindfulness to coffee like I wanted people to really think like oh okay there's more than one way of drinking this mm -hmm. there's more than one you know application for this coffee I I can try new uh you know spices and uh, milks and you know all sorts of things in order to kind of um one bring attention to you know how different cultures drink their coffee um and two to have fun with it because I think coffee should be fun I mean it's a social drink right. so yeah that's what that's what really got me like uh, passionate about doing something. And then how did you get to cold brew? Like, you know, there, there's a gazillion coffee, you know, coffee houses in Israel and, you know, <laughs> how did you get to cold brew, which I don't think exists in Israel? 
Yeah, so that's um, so it was it was on purpose because um, as I mentioned, it's so mechanized. Well, I wanted to break that, and one of the ways I thought would help break it would be to do something that's radically different from all the other preparations of of brewing coffee, and do something that's cold because right, like cold brew is the most different of them all. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're doing like a, you know a shot of an espresso from a, from a machine or in a mocha pod or an AeroPress, like you're doing it with hot water and ground coffee. Cold brew is cold water in a long time, right? So I thought that would be one, one way to break the, you know, the stigmas of, of coffee. And number two, Israel's a hot country, right. you know, like <laughs> people, people love coffee here, but, but people really drink cold coffee, like 80% of the year. Cause it's so hot. And, um, you know, the, the way that most people in Israel drink cold coffee is they, they make a shot of an espresso and they put it over ice and then add milk or water. And it's like, why? Just make cold brew. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's so easy. It, the flavor is there, you know. So that, that's another reason, just how hot it was. Um, but also, you know, it plays nicely to different flavors and it can last a lot longer. Um, so that's that's really the main reason, and it was cool because I like cold brew, but I couldn't get it here, you know. Like uh, Israelis didn't, so it was also like it just happened to be that if I were to do it, I'd be one of the first. And uh, yeah. So when you started, did you have any business experience whatsoever, or you just sort of just jumped right in? Um. Uh, limited business experience like uh, my time uh, you know uh, in university I dabbled with you know tech uh, startups and I really wanted to be like a tech entrepreneur and I was at the uh, you know negative accelerator um, uh, a high-tech accelerator in Beersheba right for a bit and so like you know I mean from like a tech entrepreneur standpoint, I had some experience in like pitching and, you know, defining, you know, their unique selling propositions. And, you know, I read books on business, like the lean startup, for example, but I didn't really have any, and, and this is what bothered me about the high tech scene was I wanted to actually go out and try and sell something and make, you know, generate revenue. Um, and it, like- Doesn't exist in the, high tech. <laughs> I mean, you know, the thing is, it, it, in high tech, it exists, but th there's so much stuff you got to do before that, right? right. Like, and, and, I, and it bothered me because um, everybody that, you know, like my friends that, you know, we, we tried, you know, doing multiple projects together on, they thought that was the hard part. And I'm like, no, I think the hard part is like making a business out of it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like building a, building a, a software is, is obviously not easy, right? But um, I think in terms of, you know, what is harder, I think taking that software and marketing it properly, generating revenues, profits, all that, I think that's the hard part. And um, it was like, we were, we were playing this game of like, you know, oh, we've got to, we've got to build, make this perfect. And I'm like, dude, let's build, release, you know, uh, try and make money. Let's see if there's a viable uh, future for this product. That's the hard part. And so, that's why I wanted to do something low tech because I, I didn't have that experience in, okay, I have a product now, let me see how good I can be at selling it. And, you know, 
adjusting to what needs to happen in order for it to be successful in, in the Israeli market, which is extremely difficult. Um, so, yeah. So you just jumped in. I mean, you just, then you just, you went to the low tech route. You started, you started the coffee company. Now, when you started it, did you like, I find, right. That I came to Israel and I started a business, right. My, you know, I spoke the language, but I didn't speak the language, you know, and certainly the culture was completely foreign to me. How right. did you find that? Like starting a business, not in California where you're from, but you know, in Tel right. Aviv. It's, it was, it's really, it was really difficult and it still is really difficult. Um, my, my, uh, my old business partner, Roni, um, I say all, I mean, I, you know, she had to move, my old business partner had to move to Texas um, about a year ago. And, uh, you know, we had to physically part ways, um, but we're still very close friends and she's still very much uh, loves to talk to me about her as coffee because it's also her baby, but um, we, we have conversations about this daily. It's tough, you know, like I, I feel like um, as, an, as a non-Israeli, you really have to understand and how to understand and try and navigate around Israelis. They're so insufferably skeptical about anything new. And, you know, it's like you tell them, oh, I've got a great product. I've got cold brew. They're like, what's wrong with uh, Turkish coffee? It's like, uh, well, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with Turkish coffee, you know, but like try out a new product. You know, it's a little bit different. You, you might like it more. And they're like, oh, no, uh, I'll stick to my, you know, thing that I've been doing for, for 70 years. And it's like, OK, how do you, you know, I feel like Americans, they're a lot more open to trying out new things. Um, where here in Israel, they're, they're, they're really skeptical. You know, they think everything's a gimmick until it's not, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, that was always really hard for us. Uh, it was also really hard for us to um, kind of navigate through a lot of the red tape that is in Israel. Um, I felt like a lot of times, um, you know, some of our strengths as Americans were like we weren't allowed to really use it. Um, you know, like we we reached out to a company in uh, Dubai um, about a year and a half ago. And um, we had like a little partnership going right when the Abraham Accords uh, were signed. And, you know, using our English and, you know, our networks abroad in America or like facilitating new networks in, in Dubai, we couldn't use it like, uh, you know, there's so much red tape in, um, you know, bringing in agricultural products, for example, or exporting or, you know, the, the price of distributing, extremely difficult. Um, when, when it comes to software, there's not that much red tape in terms of, of exporting your software outwards. But when it comes to a physical product, you know, the, the, the costs just get exponentially more expensive. Um, not to mention all of the, you know, regulations that you need to abide by. Kashrut, for example, is a really tough one. Um, I would love to get some sort of kashrut, mm -hmm. right? But it's so difficult uh, in, in terms of, you know, what we need to do from Misrata Briut um, and then to, for the, 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 the Rabbanut. And so that's also been extremely 
uh, difficult for us is, is how do we, you know, um, how do we make it in an environment that is extremely regulated and, and tight in terms of, because we don't have hundreds of thousands of shekels to throw at a giant facility to where, you know, a, a rabbi can come and inspect, you know, we're, we're, st we're starting this up from, from nothing, you know, right. and it's, it's, it's extremely difficult. Wow. And then the health ministry has their own regulations, right? I know the, the whole food business here, it's not an easy business to, you know, it's not an easy business because of all their, all their regulations as well. Right. It's, it, and, and, and that's what it really comes down to is like, you get, you get kind of smacked from, you know, all, all around you, you're getting smacked. And then on top of that, you know, you have, I mean, goods in Israel are not cheap. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, on top of that, you have the VAT, you know, so right. an extra 17% on every other thing. And then, um, I mean, yeah, d distributing stuff in Israel is extremely expensive. And post COVID, everything went up, prices of bottles went up, the prices of coffee went up, you know, deliveries and all sorts of uh, delivery services, right? And, um, you know, getting our goods delivered to us everything went up. So it's, it's extremely, extremely tough. So speaking of that COVID, we were talking before the show um, that you, your business really took off. Tell us about your COVID experience and now where you are, right? Post COVID and sort of a confused world. Speak yeah. to us about sort of the last two years, because it was fascinating. Okay. So um, yeah, when we started Eris Coffee, it was, it was right before COVID. And we were sort of in the beginning at that point, we still didn't even have like 15 flavors. We had like five. We had our pumpkin spice, obviously our pumpkin spice cold brew. We had a, a three like normal cold brews, origin cold brews that were black. We had one uh, and oh, and we had the Vietnamese one with condensed milk, the Hanoi. Um, so we had like a, a, a you know, we were also producing a lot less. We didn't really have the economy of scale. so. Um, we're, we're still, um, figuring things out. And then, um, as COVID hit Ronit, my, my old partner, she was like, what are we going to do now that, you know, it looks like Israel is going to go into a lockdown. And I was like, well, you know, we're not teaching because students aren't here and, uh, in school. And so, you know, we don't have the choice. You know, we've, we've got to work, we got to make it happen. And she's like, yeah, you know what, let's do it. And, and uh, you know, we both decided, um, you know, let's really push uh, like home packages. So we had like a be dude package where, you know, you could, you could send it to somebody who's in, in quarantine for whatever reason or who got COVID. And I would, I would deliver myself on my motorcycle with, I had a ba double bag full of coffees and I would just do my rounds throughout Tel Aviv, give a time Ramad Gan, even Jerusalem and, uh, and deliver it to people at their doorstep. And after doing a bunch of campaigns um, during the lockdown, people really started to like, you know, uh, order because of this like support local small business. And uh, we sort of got a, you know, name for ourselves in Jerusalem and, and, and Tel Aviv. And, you know, people are like, oh, order coffee from Air's Coffee Co. They'll deliver right to your house. And so during COVID, the business really grew like four times. Um, and it was, it was, it was actually amazing. I, I was so uh, thrilled, you know, like, 
uh, it made me really happy the, the the support that people had and it, it kind of confirmed that going the you know direct to consumer route was was really the smart idea um, but then post covid that support local business uh, sort of transitioned now that people were allowed outside it sort of transitioned to like a support your local brick and mortar mom and pop shop and because we're we don't we didn't have the money to open up a coffee shop of our own we were a strictly online business um a lot of, and a lot of people were out for the first time in a, you know in a long time so they wanted to sit at the coffee shop sit outside drink a coffee in in the shop and support that so we were trying to sort of pivot and you know find a way to to adjust to this new new change and we decided to go towards the um you know corporate office law firms uh tech uh, um offices and and sort of deliver coffee to them and the reason was quite simple um like go selling our coffee to coffee shops just simply wasn't um, lucrative because they have to resell it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so our profit margins are thin on top of that, they're ordering a huge volume and it's kind of hard for us to get that volume out when we're still a very small business. Mm -hmm. And, um, the delivery of that is extremely problematic, but with the tech offices, it's one location, it's slightly less volume, but they're paying full price because they don't need to sell it right they're giving it to their employees so we decided to go down that route but then there's this funky period post-covid which we're still kind of in where it's like people are still teleworking half the week right and so like they're not home enough to where they want to order a bunch of stuff home again mm -hmm. they're also not at the office enough for the office to really want to justify you know getting their employees a bunch of coffee um so we're still trying to you know figure out now what what's the best route right now we're we're doing both uh we're doing like ha office happy hours and we're doing direct to consumer um but uh but you know since since the covid lockdowns we've sort of stagnated a bit um in terms of you know our sales this so. is the for all the listeners and the viewers this is the life of an entrepreneur, right? It's like, you're always trying to, you're always getting punched, right? I'm in a business where I'm, I'm regulated by two regulatory authorities, right? So, I'm, you know, I have to get permission to breathe, basically. And, yeah. uh, you know, you're always trying to sort of reinvent yourself. But on the other hand, like, you're not giving up, right? You just sort of keep plowing through because you're, you know, it's just your personality, right? You're just, you're not going to throw in the towel because people are working two days a week for, in the office and three days a week at home. All right. Yeah, you can't give up. I mean, you know, like uh, survivability, I think, is like the number one thing that leads to success. Because, you know, if you stay long enough, stay alive long enough, eventually one of those opportunities will be a massive opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so we're just, you know, we're grinding. We're 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 looking for that thing that will, you know, propel us forward. And we're trying to adjust and and be agile. And you know you know, make the necessary adjustments in order to continue to grow. Cause I mean, it's also like from an ideological standpoint, it's important to me. I want to put Israel on the map of not just high tech, 
You know, everybody talks about startup nation. Why can't we also be the coffee nation? Right. You know, like, why can't we also be, you know, like the food tech nation or, or, or just in general? I mean, Tel Aviv, people talk about the restaurants in Tel Aviv, right? But, um, you know, everybody around the world knows Tel Aviv is also, and Israel in general is the startup nation. I want to be more than that. <laughs> I want to have a bunch of different products in the, in the shelves at the supermarket, you know, not just the same products that we've had since the establishment of the state. I mean, <laughs> since I made Aliyah 12 years ago, almost, the supermarket hasn't changed much. It's, it's like the same cottage cheese, the same milk, you know, and it's like, why can't we have 15 different flavors of cold brew coffee in the supermarkets? You know, I want, I want, you know, tourists from Germany and from the United States to come to Israel and be like, wow, you know, you know what country has amazing coffee? Israel. That's what I want. <laughs> so for, for Aliyah who are coming or, or have already come and made Aliyah, right? And they're thinking, you know, I could do the grind. I could do the nine to five or I could do, uh, I could do nine to five or I could, you know, get into high tech and get into the rat race. Or I've always had this sort of this dream, you know, of starting something. What would you, you know, A, would you tell them to go for it? Number two, you know, give me a tip or two that you would give to an aspiring, uh, aspiring entrepreneur. Well, it's kind of fitting, yeah, because it's like if another fellow Jew coming to Israel were to tell me I've got a dream, well, I'd say, well, you know, the... You know, the response to that, you know, Herzl said it, if you, if you dream, you know, if you will it, it's no dream. So, um, you know, those who really have this strong urge, this will to make it in Israel, um, you know, you can do it, right? Um, it, it can be done. Um, Israel has its, you know, set of, of, of problems, but um, I tried to focus and, not ignoring the the problems and ignoring the problems in Israel is not good either, right? I mean, like I, I'm very much conscientious of all the issues in Israel for 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 an entrepreneur, but I try to focus on a lot of the tools that we have um, because even though you, for example, lose a lot of the benefits you get from America, for example, as an entrepreneur, right? America, huge market, money, you know, capital investments that. In Israel, okay, you don't have a lot of that. You don't have as big of a market, you don't have that, but you have a lot of tools here too. And that's what young entrepreneurs coming from abroad need to understand is um, what, what benefits you have here and how to use it. For example, um, Israel, village, right? It's a small little village, uh, but in the village, everybody knows everybody. And so this like virality I mean, it's, it's something that you can achieve here. I mean, if people in the streets of, of, of Israel, you know, in Tel Aviv or in Jerusalem, Jerusalem's a great example for our coffee. Once two or three people in the neighborhood know about your, you know, business or your product, they'll tell everybody, you know, that they, they will send Mishloch Manot, they will tell everybody. I mean, Shabbat, they'll bring it, you know, like, uh, and, and I think that this is uh, one of the good um, things that an entrepreneur can focus on is the networking, the, the, mm -hmm. the you know, the, the desire to help one another out. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> That's funny you say that. We've heard that. I've heard that on every single interview that oh, really? uh, everybody says that when they were starting there, it comes more a little bit differently from a different angle, but whenever anybody was starting their business, 
people were just willing to talk to them. Like they would drive from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv just to speak to you, get nothing out of it, but just like give their, I mean, they're opinionated, right? So everybody has their two cents, but but they're willing to help and talk with you and, and the whole thing. It keeps coming up sort of that same angle you're talking about one way or another. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. I mean, for example, I have a customer, Yoav, and uh, about three years ago, uh, we had a, I mean, there was a, never mind the issue, but he said something that was along the lines of he was kind of disappointed, right, about the, the product. And um, it was on one of the Facebook groups, right? And I, I told Ronnie, I was like, we have to turn this guy. We have to, we have to convert him to, to, to love us, you know? Like, I can't have it that, that somebody doesn't like the product. Um, he's now like one of my best, uh, most, uh, you know, appreciated customers. Uh, he's been with us almost since day one. And like, I tell, I tell everybody, like there are now three things in life that are certain death taxes and you all ordering cold brew on Wednesdays. <laughs> and it's like, when you get loyalty in Israel, you get loyalty from the entire community. Uh, Yoav, like ever since we made him our, you know, a friend in, in the business sense, I mean, he's referred us to literally, I think, everybody in his contacts in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. I, I attribute Jerusalem's success to him. Wow. Uh, and it's like, this is some of the, the cool things about Israel that um, young entrepreneurs, young business uh, people should, should take advantage of, you know? Um, do your best to, you know, make the community love and appreciate you and your product. And they'll, they'll show you, you know, by, by helping you out. And it's, it's really a breath of fresh air uh, especially when dealing with so much of the hard stuff that comes with Israel. Wow. Matan, that was awesome. How can people get in touch with you? Um, so on our website, uh, airscoffeeco.com, um, all of our uh, information is there, phone number, email, um, you know, they can just message us freely uh, or call. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and there's like a link to our online store. There's also like a description about each of our products and, you know, like what we're trying to do in terms of coffee in Israel. We're trying to, you know, make things fun. We're posting about different uh, recipes for cocktails, things like that. Um, and, you know, whether they want it for their home office, something like that, contact us through, through the, through the website, eriscoffeeco.com. Yeah. Matan Buganim, who is the owner of Eris Coffee. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Aaron. It was a pleasure. You've been tuning into the Aaron Katzman Show. We speak about your life, your money, and your investments. Be sure to like this program. And if you've not yet done so, please subscribe to the YouTube station. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll speak to you soon.